This is Mark Mullinax, and welcome back to Power for the Peaceful, a podcast and class on Taoism. Today, verse 16, how fear ends. When you listen to the ground and you put your roots down, you can hear what she says if you're listening. When you listen to the ground and you put your roots down, you can hear what she says if you're listening. Sweet sound of the river as she moves over the stones. The same song that the blood in your body sings as it weaves around your bones. When you're listening, when you're listening, are you listening? Those who can transform even a single thing call them numinous. Those who can alter even a single situation, call them wise. But to alter without expending vital energy is to alter without expending wisdom. Only exemplary persons who hold fast to the one are able to do this. Hold fast to the one. Do not lose it and you will be able to master the 10,000 things. Exemplary persons act upon things and are not acted upon by them because they grasp the guiding principle of the one. Neye are the inward training, a fourth century BCE poem that influenced Taoist practices. Today's reader and question asker is David Dixon, poet, musician, and physician from Mount Airy, North Carolina. Thank you, David. He will ask a bomb thrower of a question later on. Welcome back to our class. Today's verse is a great one to hear and to practice if you want to live confidently. Got fears? Well, I do. So here's my translation of verse 16, which I have entitled, The End of Fear. Pledge allegiance to unlimited emptiness. Dedicate yourself to uncompromised silence. Notice how the 10,000 things arise, but also how each returns to its root. This return to root is the start, finish, and fruit of tranquility. It's the why of Tao, the purpose of eternity. Have this permeate your mind and become enlightened, but stay ignorant and one's future is chaos and disaster. When you align with your eternal source, your life evolves into an acceptance of all that overlays onto the dignity of all, that borders with heaven, the source of all, that follows Tao, which is eternal. When you are aligned thus, fear never comes near. There's a lot here, so I'll take this verse in small line-by-line bites, adding short comments to each line. First line, pledge allegiance to unlimited emptiness. Of all the liars in the world, sometimes the worst are our own fears. Rudyard Kipling. In some East Asian traditions, especially Buddhism and Taoism, A calamity is created when we do what I call selfing, 
or the erection or assembling of the idea that one has a self that needs to exist and not just exist, survive. With egos boosting, we fill the self with stuff, expectations, regrets, and this rather crazy idea that we are a separate self or being. Unlimited emptiness cannot coexist with separate existence. I spoke about this in episode 14 in the Free Mind, Free Body episode, when I propose that we tell ourselves a story of self from the very first moment of awareness in the morning till we sleep that night. With society's naive help, we get socialized quite well that we are beings who should fill ourselves with resume-building activities, vacations in cool spots, exotic stuff on frequent bases, all in some strange effort to make a name for ourselves or leave some intentional trace of ourselves everywhere we go. Thank you, Facebook, TikTok, Western culture and philosophy. Once again, our original natures and the processes by which we emerge are spontaneous, though. Our creation and the creation of the universe signify a huge interlocking matrix of trustworthy and good processes. Taoism explains we emerge from the womb empty of ego, and the purpose of our emergence is not then to develop some false self driven by ego. Taoism just laughs at our misguided efforts to leave an ego-sized wake behind us. Instead, just live as a being worthy of these ancient processes, and silence the self-made Johnny-come-lately images. Verse 16 teaches the normal life is one vacuumed out of ego, the only free life there is. Living radical emptiness is Taoism's essential teaching. Now, so far in our podcast, we have described the power of Tao's emptiness practices, and I've always had one target in mind, desires, which if not emptied, develop into habits with no future. This verse declares a radical unlimited emptiness that actively excludes more than just our desires, though, what if we excluded the fears that have had us imprisoned as much as our desires? What would it look like to be emptied of fears? What are you afraid of? I could get myself into some huge anxiety attack just by imagining myself in a hopeless underwater scenario where I will not be able to breathe or a claustrophobic underground situation where I'm trapped, like I almost was in a tight cave once upon a time. In my mind's eye, I can easily slip into either scenario and have instant spikes of blood pressure, heart rate, and anxiety. Amazing, isn't it, what the busy brain can do to us? It can imagine some artificial environment in which we can become literally paralyzed and entirely imprisoned to a scenario that will play out only in our minds. Now, this is difficult for us who have lived long with or into fear. You may want to meditate on what this could mean for you. When you listening, when you listening, are you listening? When you listening, when you listening, are you listening? Second line, dedicate yourself to uncompromised silence. 
among my most prized possessions are words that I have never spoken. Orson Scott Card. Like emptiness, silence is one of Taoism's four main practices. What does uncompromised silence even sound like? It's more than just not talking. It includes silencing what you woulda, coulda said, but don't, because you know that the spoken word is ever reductionistic and always misinterpreted, as today's political rhetoric demonstrates all too well. So this uncompromised silence includes not even thinking what one may break the silence with. That's heavy and deep if you want to pause and reflect. Speak only if it improves upon the silence. Mahatma Gandhi. Next line. Notice how the 10,000 things arise. What are the 10,000 things? The 10,000 things, or Wanwu, is a Chinese way to point to awareness of the infinite number of things all around us. Others translate this phrase as the created order, or all living things, all things under heaven, and even everything. Attempts all to distinguish the innumerable manifestations of nature from the singleness or unity of Tao. Exhibit A of Wu is the extreme proliferation of thoughts our shameless brains ply us with second by second. I mean, we cannot even predict what we'll think of next. Need proof? Just pause the episode, get out a sheet of paper, and just record your thoughts for the next 60 seconds. Proof of the scattershot pattern of our arising thoughts. The 10,000 things include all the things and events that change, contrasted with the one Tao or womb of things that changes not. So notice how all things arise. Well, like what? Desires, angers, fears on the one hand, but also consider the egg of a bird or how you are formed in hopefully a loving act of union by your parents. The country of your birth or citizenship used not to be, but now is. Even the schools you went to were once not, but are now. Notice how all things emerge from a state of nothingness or non-being into a temporary existence. Just notice. But as you notice, the emergence of the 10,000 things around you, a word of caution. We tend to make the temporary into a false permanent. Youth, money, parents, lovers. But all is changing. Cling to the false permanent and it burns us. Clinging is spiritual rope burn. There's nothing really there to grasp in the first place. So let it go. Letting go is liberation the end of enslavement to false permanence. And this leads us to the next line. But also how, of the 10,000 things, each returns to its root. This return to root is the start, finish, and fruit of tranquility. It's the why of Tao, the purpose of eternity. As all things, creatures, and emotions, and life emerge, they cannot just keep emerging like... I mean, the sun cannot keep climbing in the sky, right? The moon just cannot keep waxing. The ocean tide can only go so high. So all return to the point where they began. 
and this is how it should be. Yin-yang. However, imagine if nothing subsided or died. No generations of the old to replace, but rather the ever-supplementing of living generations with still more living generations. Imagine the chaos. Returning to the source, submitting to the natural processes of the universe, is tranquility. For in our death-averse cultures, this means we need to adjust ourselves to the fact that I, too, will return to my root or die. As Chong Zhu, that Taoist trickster, said, the same process that brings one to birth in time brings one to death, as naturally as fall turns into winter and spring into summer. This is the natural process and way of nature. When I was a hospice chaplain, I sat at the bedside of dying people and their families many times, Most of the time, the dying person was at peace that their death was inevitable and a part of some natural process. They and their loved ones experienced what we call a good death. But every once in a while, there was some individual who had not prepared for this return to their root, and they fought it to the bitter end, and their death left a lasting legacy of disturbance in the lives of their survivors. In Taoism, it is a given that everything dies or ceases to exist. While Taoism teaches no afterlife judgments with heavens or hells, it does teach that one spirit or energy survives, which can then arise as another 10,000 thing. This return to the root is one's destiny, a destiny that may not be completed in one lifetime, but we may trust that the power of Tao's womb that got us here does not abandon us, ever, and will bring us back home. When you're listening, when you're listening, are you listening? When you're listening, when you're listening, Next line. Are you listening? Have this permeate your mind and become enlightened, but stay ignorant, and one's future is chaos and disaster. I have little comment here. The very purpose of this podcast is to, however slowly and deliberately, reintroduce us to an enlightened way of life where we are no longer subjects to the whips and whims of ego. For I am convinced, in just my own life, how the practices of ignorance are but karma seeds for future chaos and disaster. Next, And final lines, when you align with your eternal source, your life evolves into acceptance of all, that overlays onto the dignity of all, that borders with heaven, the source of all, that follows Tao, which is eternal. When you are aligned thus, fear never comes near. Confession, if ever the Tao Te Ching gives me goosebumps, it is in these two sentences where we see in writing the Taoist teaching that we, the 10,000 things, all life, all the universe, is of the very same stuff and processes of Tao. Here is a foundational text teaching a profound and counter-cultural spiritual teaching that you and I and each person, animal, plant, and thing are originally good, originally spontaneous, originally harmonious, 
and let's say it loud, originally powerful. The very stuff and energy of the universe is not just our closest of relations, but is the very constituting energy of our bodies. And as that last line intimates, this is confidence building in the extreme. Why do I use extreme? The world of 10,000 things often forgets its original ties and alliance with Tao. Forgetting, we do unnecessary things, ego-encircling things. We imprison, bully, do unnecessary violence, make others into an other, and enact laws and policies that make such insanities normal. In other words, we can off-balance ourselves and become apprehensive. Please know, notice how we are contiguous with Tao no matter what, no matter where, no matter when. Notice the verbs in the first sentence. Stage one, align with. Stage two, evolve into. Stage three, overlays onto. Stage four, borders with. And stage five, follows Tao. These are five ways of saying the same thing just on five levels. Just to align with your eternal source in the here and now is the same thing as falling down on any level one can imagine. Have we room in our lives amidst the 10,000 things where we may hear with comprehension this comprehensive single daily reminder of who you are? If you don't understand that, you're going to screw up somewhere down the line. If you figure it out, you'll always know what to do. Ron Hogan's rendering of these same lines in his Tao Te Ching version. The cool spiritual thing is that, uh, that all this alignment, overlaying, bordering, and following, this is our natural state. We don't have to learn it. It's already built in. It's already always ever there right now. And that, my friends, is our confidence to live without fear. We are not made bad and then blamed for not being good. We are not made crippled and then blamed for limping and using walking supports. Please, enough of the spiritual terrorism that would have us ever off-balanced in front of some tyrannical or angry deity where we will never ever be enough. I find immense and broad confidence knowing that I am no different from the makeup of the universe. Tao Te Ching asserts in almost every verse this same liberating teaching that human nature is nothing other and nothing less than the nature of the universe. Tremendous fear-reducing confidence resides in knowing that you and the universe operate from the same ancient playbook, sharing the same operating system. What I do know is that we often substitute illusions of self for our real self. These illusions can be fed by ego-assisted illusions of grandeur or by diminished views of our real self. You know those feelings, that we are somehow unworthy of love, undeserving of pride, not good enough for a community, too pitiful for relationships. We feel like fakes, and if, if people just knew who we really were, they wouldn't be around us at all. Such stubbornly persistent illusions arise out of ignorance of who we actually are. To repeat, Ron Hogan. If you don't understand that, 
you're going to screw up somewhere down the line. If you figure it out, you'll always know what to do. You know as well as I that life can be a fearful place. Before the ends of our lives, so much will happen that no one could predict. Lots may be asked of us, asked of our health, asked by our loved ones. It could be quite easy to hide behind one's fears and anxieties about what could happen and then hole up somewhere. Somewhere we feel we would be impervious to life's existential challenges, its slings and arrows. This verse teaches us that a life clinging to false things, ideas, and fears is a diminished life indeed. Verse 16 teaches how to counter such an existence by remembering who you really are. Everything falls from fears to desires eventually fail, perhaps slowly, but let this confident mind be in you. Nothing artificial has the power to last forever. And now to David Dixon's question on the deep relationships of humor and Taoism. One of the treasures of your book is the amazing collection of quotes from various artists, philosophers, theologians, and other saints and sinners throughout history. Many of these, I noticed, could also be considered humorist, or perhaps have dabbled in the compliments of irreverence and reverence. Mark Twain, Tom Robbins, or two of these, as well as titles of fabulous books that refer to things such as a laughing God. Given the use of humor by many Zen monks, the Tao descendants, would you comment on the presence and use of humor found in Taoism or in the Tao Te Ching itself, or perhaps within the legend of Lao Tzu? David, I love your question. This question has opened a whole new vantage point on how I view Taoism and has reconnected me to why I love this philosophy. From its very inception, Taoism has been a trickster religion, like a roadrunner to Wild E. Coyote or a Bugs Bunny to an Elmer Fudd, even Br'er Rabbit to Br'er Fox. Taoism raises a playful middle finger to the stodgy playbooks of any age that teach that to be successful one must work hard, play by its rules, never question, and keep your head down. Taoism's trickster sensibilities just ask, oh, really? To the bland, conventional wisdoms of the day. You know this, how there's this kind of Puritan sentiment everywhere these days, which holds ethics, orthodoxy, and religious behavior to very strict and bleak standards. Taoism throws dynamite on such orthodox stuff and just laughs. One reason why I'm attracted to tricksters and their humor is because these are ways to keep mystery alive. Laughing at conventions, one may see through them as the imprisonments that they can actually become. It's almost always in any age or culture the orthodox religionists of the day who cry for order, conformity, textual compliance, and above all, no joking. But tricksters want to keep things unexplained and free from insane and rational interpretation instead of having it all explained down to the tiniest control freaking detail. Exhibit A is coming up in verse 19 in three weeks. 
which begins like this. Interrupt sanctified holiness and forsake sophistication. People are 100 times happier without these contrivances. Interrupt the rules of family devotion and discard those exhausting ancestral duties. People will naturally recover what family means. Interrupt cunning. Forget profit. Notice how theft diminishes. These three interruptions are but a beginning. Now, folks, that is orthodox overthrowing stuff. Taoism came about while a very serious and very starchy Confucianism was vying to become the nation's top ideology. Now, I love Confucianism, but Confucianists have been among the most puritanical, pietistical, and pompous in their super intricate family and state rituals. I went to one state Confucian ceremony in Seoul that lasted an entire day because they thought by doing the rituals, they would unite and harmonize heaven and earth. But, oh, the gravity. The trickster Taoism would say, nah, all your rules that you weave tighter and tighter to control people are only going to make them into scufflaws. As they escape through those numerous holes in that net, you think that you are ensnaring them in. And as verse 57 teaches, the more taboos and restrictions, the more poverty. The more weapons in your land, the more fear and ignorance. The shrewder, the cunning, the more demonic things become. Want more outlaws? Just make more laws. Now, if you're interested in learning more, Chong Zhu, whose work goes by the same name, is your guy. Try out his quote. Achievement is the beginning of failure. Fame is the beginning of disgrace. This all reminds me of Jesus' trickster sayings, which most Christians overlook. Love enemies. Do good to those who injure you. Those who want to be first, should practice being last. It's to the children, not the adults, that God's kingdom belongs. The children get this. So let the abandonment of common sense begin. Taoism says that magic is afoot in every step we take and we haven't a clue as to what it is. So enjoy that ride. David, please keep on pulling the rug out, exposing all that dirt someone swept underneath it, and delighting in the mystery of every step. This podcast is an original labor of love, designed, written, and co-produced by many whose central idea that Tao Te Ching is good news for today. Tao still speaks. David Dixon's voice uttered our quotes this week. Audrey Davis is our valued artist. Molly Hartwell sings her song, Put Your Roots Down. Fortress Press holds the copyright for quotations from my Tao Te Ching translation. Thank you for your attendance in this class on Taoism. May your days begin in peace and become wombs for radical hope. When you're listening, are you listening?